Oftentimes it can be extremely difficult trying to figure out how do I live the way that I need to. Because I don't, you look at the Bible and you look at all the many pages that happen to be in it and all the different books and it can become overwhelming when you look at all of that and try to figure out how do I put this stuff into practice. And there was an article a number of years back by Ted Pollack in discussing leadership in the automotive industry that is actually pertinent to, to us this morning. And his advice was very simple. When you have a complex situation or a complex task and you're trying to train somebody to do it, you don't train them in the entirety of it. You break it into small pieces to make it easier for them to understand because we can't master large concepts. If you've ever wondered about that, take a look at calculus or physics because you tend to get into those things and they start throwing an awful lot of information at you and you can become overwhelmed very quickly. But if somebody takes it and breaks it into smaller pieces, you can actually digest it. It's that way also with the scriptures. Sometimes we need to break it down a little bit to make it a little bit easier. Which is why I've given you a sheet full of scripture today. Not to overwhelm you with it, but to hopefully give you something for as you leave. And as you take a look at this again, how do we do it? And we're just going to talk about something that's very simple today knowing what to say and how to say it. And Proverbs tends to be one of those books that I like to go to. I like Proverbs because there's 31 chapters, so you can actually read a chapter every month, and you can make that part of your devotional. In fact, we often encourage people, especially young people, that's a very easy one to do because it tends to be easier to understand. You can break it up into pieces and it makes practical sense. You know, it's not like numbers where you can get lost in the genealogy. Generally, you can understand this and it's all about wisdom. So Proverbs 10 verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many but fools die for lack of judgment. One of the fastest and easiest ways for us to understand the power of words is to understand what 30 seconds of words can do. 30 seconds of words can ruin a 30-year career. 30 seconds of words can ruin 30 years of reputation. 30 seconds of words can ruin 30 years of marriage. We all know the power of words because we've been impacted by them in our life. And oftentimes, we will have things resonating in our head that somebody has said to us, somebody that was influential in our lives, oftentimes when we were kids, and somebody speaks something to you back then, And I find when I'm trying to work with people that oftentimes I can't help them where they are there because they're scarred by what's happened decades previous. It can be extremely difficult. And that's 
not a good thing. But I know when we're trying to believe God, when we're trying to do the things that we need to do to follow the Lord, sometimes we may need to let the Lord heal those hurts from back then. I know it all too well. I remember it at 16 years of age and standing in my front hallway as my dad and I were loading boxes into the moving truck as we were moving. And my mom came and she started swearing and saying all sorts of things to me and started ripping open my boxes and pulling stuff out and accusing me of stealing from her. Really, mom? My soccer trophy? But I didn't, couldn't come up with any of that at the point. And I'll never forget my dad grabbing me in the hallway and hauling me outside and sticking me in the truck and saying, don't say anything because you'll regret it for the rest of your life if you say something right now. I was very fortunate that I had somebody who was able to do that because I know how that voice from back then, I can still hear those things. It'll still come up every once in a while. Something will happen and I begin to hear that soundtrack. And I have to remind myself that isn't what is actually going on in my life. That's a long record from long ago that's been broken and thrown away because the Lord has grace and mercy and the ability to heal. But the enemy likes to bring up those things from back then and say, remember when they said this? Yesterday we went down to the South Shore in Pembroke, Mass to the church where I was a youth pastor. And the pastor and his wife from there that we were under back then came down from northern Maine to renew their wedding vows in Pembroke at 50 years. And so we got to be there for this. And as we were talking, you tend to recount things that were said. And I told, I told my family, I wanted to go, Is it, you know, Saturday driving two hours to the South Shore through traffic, because it was beautiful yesterday, and I went, everybody and their cousin's gonna be out there, but I had to get there to the church because I wanted to tell Pastor Bell, thank you. I spent five years with them. I ate at their table, I was in their home. And they don't realize the impact that it had. Because when I was there, there wasn't any fighting going on like it had been in my home. So I learned an awful lot of things just sitting there and hearing from them. And sometimes we need to be able to identify those things in our lives when God will bring better things to you. You may not see it as better things, because I could have said, well, I'm driving 70 miles to get to this church. I was studying full-time, being a youth pastor, going up to Boston to the hospitals when we had people in there. There was an awful lot of work, and I could have focused on all of that. But that wasn't the focus. The focus was hearing the words. Things that only you can hear in those situations. The wisdom that was shared from a pastor to a young pastor. And it meant a lot. Sometimes we need to know, well, at least I do, I need to know when to say it and how to say it. But I hate to tell you, sometimes it's going to be the first one there on your sheet, which is shut up. Sometimes church people need to shut up. I told Teresa I was going to really enjoy this point because this is a, we don't even say this. <laughs> But it communicates it well, because I could have got up and said, in the very 
you know, stoic pastor way. Be quiet. But it's not going to resonate with you like shut up. And sometimes we need to understand it in very plain English that where there are many words, sin is not absent. We need to remember, especially for us. Now, I'm not talking about what anybody else has done to you now. I'm talking to you, just you. Sometimes we do not need to say things. We need to be quiet, which was incredibly difficult for me because I had the reputation way back then of being tactless. I had my class advisor. She said, you have no tact. Because I like to tell people very plainly how it was. But I missed out on what Jesus laid out as the example. Jesus did tell people hard things. He told them straight up truth. But he did it with compassion. And sometimes before you can speak to a situation, you need to get the compassion of the Lord. So that when you do speak, it's worth hearing. Because more people have been turned off of the things of God because of things that people say. We like to say, a few of my friends, things done in the name of God. We are going to write a book about all the things that people have said and they will throw the Lord's name. Oh, the Lord told me. And then it's completely contrary to Scripture. We need to be very careful with our words because he who co- Psalms, uh, Proverbs 17, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Verse 14, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Sometimes it's hard to do that though, isn't it? Sometimes you get annoyed and you just want to dive in. Sometimes we want to defend ourselves. Sometimes we want to prove our point. But the problem is, all we're doing is starting a fight that will separate. Verse 27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12, a man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. Proverbs 12, verse 16, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Do you realize sometimes people will say something to you, you'll be offended by it, and they have absolutely no idea that they've caused offense. They are not thinking the same thing you are, but because of how we perceive it or because of how we perceive how somebody looks at us, we will think that they've just insulted us And they are clueless. I happen to be one of those people. I have been clueless far more than I've been clued in. Because I'm not even thinking the same thing. Oftentimes I find when I'm in a situation, I won't even know that I've said something. Or worse, this is really difficult. And just as a personal note... Sometimes we get so insulted about what somebody else has done that we pray about it for a long time and then we go to let the person know and go, well, you know, I just wanted to let you know that you hurt me when you said this. What are we accomplishing when we do that? We haven't accomplished anything because that person doesn't even know that they've offended you. 
That person has no clue that you said the sky was blue and they felt very strongly that the sky was purple and they felt that you were deriding how they viewed things. That's why sometimes when we overlook a fault, maybe you guys are perfect. Maybe this doesn't happen. But I find in my life I need a lot of grace and mercy. I've screwed up many, many times. And so I become very aware of my need of grace and mercy. And so I'm trying very hard to give grace and mercy. One of the gentlemen I bumped into yesterday, because as a youth pastor you can make mistakes, and I didn't realize that by giving Bibles to his sons that I was creating a major stink. Because I was looking at these young people going, they need to have something that makes sense. Because I had them in my class, I had them in my youth group, and I noticed that they kept trying to read the King James, and they had never been told, thee, thou, whoever, wherever, all of the extra things that you get in the King James. And I watched them, and I went, they don't understand a single thing that we're teaching. And so I had switched over to handing them sheets with the NIV on them. And then I got the brilliant idea that we'd just get them Bibles, NIV Bibles. I never thought giving Bibles to somebody would cause such a big problem. But it did, because this gentleman was very, held very strongly to the King James only, that that was the only inspired version. And even when I took him through the history of it, when the King James comes from the Latin Vulgate, and that comes from a thousand years, fifteen hundred years after Christ. How is that better? And he, I mean, I still have the book because I kept the book. He bought me a book on all the reasons why the King James only is the only inspired version of God's Word. And I saw him yesterday, and I got to talk to him and his wife. And that was good. But I didn't bring up the big battle from years ago because it wouldn't have proven anything. Sometimes we need to overlook those things. Sometimes we have to let people have their opinion. It's not up to you to change people's minds. God does that. God is very faithful to reach down into situations and help people change. Sometimes they need somebody who's willing to listen. Biggest mistake that we make when somebody, loses, when somebody loses a loved one is talking too much. I had to learn that the hard way with Teresa's sister when her, when her sister passed away. She just had her fifth baby. I don't think, I think the oldest kid was seven at the time. Had a brain aneurysm. And I sat for hours in the hospital with the family. And I realized the futility of words because I watched as people came in. And I watched as they said lots of things, but nobody heard them. Because it was too much. There was too much to absorb. Sometimes we need to do what the Jewish tradition does and sit shiva with people. When you're sitting shiva with somebody, you're just sitting with them. It's not what you can say. That was really obvious 
when we were when Bob Hamilton and I were sitting with Tara in the hospital. There wasn't anything else that we could say. We could only sit. Neither of us could communicate sufficiently in that situation, so we did the only thing that we could do, which was just be with her. Sometimes we need to be with people. Sometimes that's all you can do is be with people. And that's what you need to do. See, that wasn't was so hard. See, that was shut up. <coughs> I had there's a few other scriptures there for you for study afterwards. The next, the second point that you shall have on your sheet says build up. Sometimes when we're done shutting up, I'm not God is not calling you to be a monk and take a vow of silence. As I wouldn't make it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I admit I don't have as many words as my daughter, but I do have a few that I would like to use. But sometimes we need to remember that if we're going to speak, let the words of our mouth be edifying. Let them build others up. That as Christians, that's what we're doing. And you want to know why? Because the only other person who knows how difficult it is to serve the Lord in this day and in this age are the ones that are around you that are trying to do the same thing. Sometimes we need to know that we're not in it alone. Sometimes we need to have people saying, you can do it. You may feel like you can't. You may feel like it is so difficult that you're not going to make it. But then God brings somebody along who says to you, it's okay, you can make it. I'm praying for you. I know you'll make it. And somehow, just that lifts up your spirits because all of a sudden you realize you're not in this alone. Because one of the worst things to do is be in something alone. You know, between Bob, Dana, and I, we keep a pretty good chorus of keeping each other built up. You know, some weeks my faith is waning and Bob's is there. And then some weeks Bob's is waning and mine's there or Dana's is there. And that's what we need because we're in it together. That's why these times when we get together on Sundays, when we get together for Bible studies, those tend to be times of encouragement so that you know that you're not in it alone. Even if you don't end up having long conversations you at least know there's other people that believe like you do. You're not in it alone. Proverbs 10, verse 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Verse 19, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 12, verse 18, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Are you bringing healing with what you say? Or are you piercing? Proverbs 15, 4, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Verse 23, A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Proverbs 16, 23. A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. 
Pleasant words are a honeycomb and sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. A couple weeks ago, we had a couple that showed up Wednesday night. And they came in, and right when they came in, I went, oh my gosh. I just could feel something come into the room with them. It was just, that became, in the last number of years, that was the hardest Bible study I'd ever done. And it wasn't that anything went on during the Bible study. It was just, you could feel something had come in. And fortunately, Teresa was there with me. And so this couple asked if they can talk to us afterwards. Sure. And I knew I was in trouble when the lady said, well, we should probably pray. And I prayed. And then she prayed. And she prayed all about her words. And I went, oh, this this is not going to go well. It's like 9.15 at night. God, after a Bible study... And it wasn't. It wasn't good. And she just came with spit and vinegar and wanted to know why I wasn't up on charges with the district. Because she felt, oh, my conduct, I should be up on charges. She doesn't know why the district hasn't stepped in to remove me. (laughs) So I went, okay. (laughs) Fortunately, it was almost like the good shepherd reached down and grabbed a hold of my shoulders to hold me back. Because I, I am the guy who had the reputation of never met a fight he didn't like. <laughs> and I was ready because I'm going, oh, Lord, 9.30? Okay, just Abram tank, load the, load the ammo, cannon, fire. <laughs> but I went, I can't do any of that because there will be no life in what I'm about to say. And so I, you know, the first four or five great things that I thought were wonderful because it somehow in my head goes, <laughs> and instead I went, well, what do you think I've done? And she goes on to say that I'd gone and I'd testified falsely in court and all of this, and I put my hand on the Bible and I'd sworn, and, and I just went, lady, you don't even know what you're talking about. But because she'd been listening to gossip in the community, Because there will always be people that will talk about you, especially when you're trying to serve the Lord, especially when you're trying to be a Christian, when you're trying to follow Christ, there will always be those people that will come out of the woodwork and try to knock you off the game. And it wasn't her, and it wasn't the guy she was with. This was totally all of the enemy because it was so discouraging. I left here at 10 o'clock with my wife going, why are we even here? How is it that in this community that I've got all these people talking about me? What? Made, this doesn't make any sense. And then I went, oh, okay, wait a second. I remember what this is. That was that spirit of discouragement that came in with her. That's not what's going on. Because we just had a good Bible study. We just had people that were here that wanted to learn about the Scriptures. Don't let somebody's words discourage you. Learn to recognize that sometimes when people are talking, it's not even the people talking, because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenlies. Okay, But we're not fighting it. The Lord's already made us 
overcomers. We're already victorious. Sometimes we need to gird ourselves in the armor of God and remember that He is your shield. He is your portion. And when you stand with the sword of truth in your hand and when you're looking to do things God's way, and that's where it was because God somehow managed to keep a hold of me to give me just enough tact to not say the things that wouldn't have made it any better. Because there are situations you will find yourself in where you say something and you then find yourself in trouble. That you could have not done anything wrong and it's not until you're right there in the situation and you say something unguarded. And that's when you get in trouble. Because you've just brought out gasoline and rather than putting out a fire, you've made, a, you've made it an inferno. Because the enemy can use words just as well as we can. That's why we need to be careful with our speech. So that when we talk to people, hopefully we're speaking life and blessing into their lives. Because that's what it is. The Lord has us here for a reason. The Lord has each one of us meeting the people that we're meeting for a reason. And that's what it's about. It's about Him and Him getting the glory. Because I can tell you, 20 years ago, that would have gone very differently. But it didn't. Because God was able to have taught me enough over the 20 years that I need to just shut up. And that's hard. That is not an easy thing to do. But it was by looking at it and going, will I build anybody up? When Lou Gehrig, for those of you that pay attention to baseball, when he was playing baseball at the start of his career, he ran into a slump. And his friend Paul Krishel, I think it was, came along and met him in Harvard. In Hartford. He took a train to meet him at the Bond Hotel and took him for a steak dinner. And he sat and listened to Lou talking about it. And Lou was ready to give up baseball. That was it. It was too difficult. He wasn't hitting. He was in a slump. He just was completely down. And Paul began to remind him. And reminded him that even Ty Cobb, the great Ty Cobb, ran into slumps. That you don't, out of ten tries, you're not always hitting it six or seven times. In fact, in baseball, you can be batting 300 and doing really, really well. Through the conversation with his friend, they ate the dinner, and he encouraged him, you're a great hitter. It's just a slump, and it will pass. And so Lou walked him back to the train station and thanked him and told him he wasn't going to give up. Lou then went on and hit, got 22 hits in the next six days. It was an absolutely amazing thing, and his career took off after that. But what would have happened in his life if he didn't have somebody that was able to build him up? Sometimes we need to just let people know and encourage them wherever they're at. Sometimes God will show you things and give you words of life where you can help somebody to hang in and keep pressing forward because they could be right at the cusp of seeing God do something great. And they need that extra little bit of encouragement to say, don't give up. God isn't done with you. Sometimes we need that. 
And the third one is we need to sometimes speak up. (laughs) Sorry, Christian, I kicked your monitor. Can you throw up the Proverbs 31 for me, please? Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. I can tell you right now that we need to speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. That that is part of being a Christian. When you are part as a follower of Christ, we have to look out for those who are not able to look out for themselves. And God will give you those opportunities if you're willing. We are headed for a time in this country where people are getting plowed over and run over by progress. We need to keep an eye out. We need to look after the widows. We need to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That that is part of it. If Rosa Parks had not said four little words, the civil rights movement would not have started the way it did in 1955. She said she had gone back. She had sat in the segregated section of the bus. The problem was the bus had filled up. And a white guy comes on and the bus driver is telling this poor seamstress to get up out of her seat. And she said, no, I will not. No, I will not. She wasn't even disrespectful about it. She just said, no, I will not. She was tired. Civil rights movement started from there. Back in 1960, Richard Nixon, as he was debating Kennedy, he made a comment about the salty language of Harry Truman. Nixon said, I am very proud that President Eisenhower restored dignity and decency and frankly good language to the conduct of the presidency of the United States. And I only hope that should I win this election that I could see to it that whenever any mother or father talks to his child, he can look at the man in the White House and say, well, there is a man who maintains the kind of standards personally that I would want my child to follow. It's amazing when you go back and you read that, you realize that the guy who became known as Tricky Dick had said that. It's even worse when you go to the transcripts of the tapes from the White House where the language was so foul, profane, and coarse that it shocked the nation. And yet that wasn't what cost him the presidency. What cost him the presidency was a few sentences on June 23rd, 1972. It was a 90-minute conversation where he authorized his staff to have the CIA pressure the FBI to stop the investigation into the Watergate complex. Less than 90 minutes, a conversation that was held just before lunch, doomed his presidency, ruined his life, and changed the history of the country. Words have tremendous power. We need to remember to be careful with our words. Jesus said, can salt water and fresh water come out of the same spring? It's amazing when you look back at your life, and as we get older we tend to do that. When you look back and you look at the words that you've said, and things that you've said, I wish we could go back and change them, but you can't. One of those things, you can't go back and change those things. But what we can do 
as we can turn our words over to the Lord. That we can surrender ourselves to Him. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to surrender ourselves to the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the attitudes of my heart be pleasing to You. It's not easy. But you can speak life and love into people's lives. And I can tell you, it's extremely important to do. Because you've got people all around you that may never hear kind things. Sometimes the folks here at church need you with your kindness. Because we're all working towards the same goal. To show ourselves worthy. To hear those words at the end of the day, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter now into thy eternal rest. That's what it's about. But it's completely doable, right? Now, if you've gotten to the place where you've ruined things with your words, perhaps you've been unwise with your words, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wish I could tell you, here's how you go back and you change it. But I have no way that I'm able to help you to go back in time. There is no time machine. But what I can tell you is that God is immensely faithful. That God has the ability to turn the worst situations into the greatest blessings. That where there only seemed darkness and death, that the Lord can speak life and light into that situation. That it simply is a matter of handing it over to the Lord because we've all done it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have done it. All of us have had those. So don't let the enemy condemn you. But also don't let it hold you back. Put it into his hands. If you've been hurt by what people have said, give that hurt to the Lord. Let him heal it. Let him apply that balm of Gilead to your life. You are his child. You are the one that he loves so much that he sent his son. Let him heal those. Let him heal the wounds. And let him give you the strength and the power to walk out today a changed orator, to be a person of great speech, to speak life, Think of it, Luke. You can be there encouraging a bunch of kids. Do you realize right now in high schools it is extremely difficult for kids that the highest rate of suicide happens in teens? With people that you won't even realize are hurt. But because you're there, you're a great guy. I've been with you. I have a lot of fun around you. You bring that to your school every day. Every situation we go into God will give you a chance to bring life into it. Don't let the enemy beat you down with your mistakes. Because at the end of the day, go ahead. I've made mistakes, but my God said that is not what is in, that's not it for me. That God is still somehow able to take my weaknesses and be made strong. That it's not in my ability that I stand, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. That it's God who does it. 
So don't let the enemy beat you up with your past. You're able to say, devil, get away from me. My past is under the blood. And I don't care if it's yesterday or this morning that you need to put under. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. It doesn't say if we confess our sins at one time. I hate to tell you, but all of us make mistakes every day. I may have been going 80 yesterday on the highway and didn't even get convicted about it until Sunday school this morning. <laughs> because I was trying, I was focused on, i got to get to the church and I can't be late for this ceremony. Sometimes we'll have those. Allow the Lord to use those in your life. Dana had a really good point. I didn't need to be going that fast because there were a bunch of people that got caught in the traffic that I had blazed right through. And so it didn't start till 15, 20 minutes later, even though I'd gotten there at 10 of. And I was going, yes, made it. Sometimes we don't trust the Lord enough in our lives, in just the little things. And I'd never thought about it that way, that when I drive and I'm just trying to squeeze out an extra couple minutes that I'm not really trusting the Lord, that I'm not putting it into His hands because we're called to be good citizens. We're called to follow the rules of the land as long as they don't conflict with the laws of God. Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's is what Christ told us. Guys, you're great people. Not because you're awesome, but because the God you serve is awesome. That's what makes you great people. Sometimes we need to say to the Lord, as we did this morning, as we sang it, remember your people. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need the Lord to speak into my life, and I need Him, and I will say, Lord, remember your people. Remember your promises, O God. You have told me. I do not live on explanations. I live on promises. God's promises. And that if they have not yet come to pass in my life, I will remind Him of them. God, you said I would never be alone in this. You'll never leave me or forsake me. So God, I remind you of your word. Not that God doesn't know his word, but that speaks to my own heart and soul. To pull it up a little bit and you can encourage yourself. You can build yourself up with the scriptures. And sometimes you have to do that because you will be in situations where God needs you with your A game. And some days you feel like you've got your D game. I don't even know if there's a D game, but sometimes you, t- you don't feel like you can do it. You can't. You can't do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. Let the Lord work through you. Because as you speak life into situations, you speak life into your life as well. Because when you see people's lives changed by the Lord, He's changing yours at the same time. There is no greater honor than to be one who is able to speak life into people. Where once there was only death, when you can bring life through the Word of God, there is no greater thing. You will find, as I have found, that when you speak those things, when you are speaking to people the words of God out of the Scriptures, you will find that even hunger goes away. I have found it, and I always used to wonder, because Jesus would say, the bread is, my bread is the word, the Father gives me. 
to do the will of the one who sent me. And it's true. You will see God do great things. How could 12 guys who had really no great education do and change the world? Only because the Lord worked through them and gave them the words. You know, we could go into it a whole lot further. I could take you through Acts. I could explain it to you there. You know, I could show you where they stand up in front of the Sanhedrin. You know, two fishermen, and they're busy talking. And these guys are going, wait, they didn't even go to school. Because that's what God does. He uses the things that others may see as weak, or the things that others may see as foolish. And it brings Him honor and glory, and gives you a front row seat to see God do great things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You that Your Word instructs us. Thank You that Your Word lifts our spirits. Father, I ask right now that You would help each one here to put their words and their life in Your hands, to allow You to not only be their Savior, but to be their Lord. That, Father, as they go from this place, that as they speak to one another and as they speak to all those in their communities, that, Lord, You would use their words to build people up, to bring blessings where once there were only rotten things, to speak life where there once was death. For, Lord, we know that it is through Your Word that it never goes out and returns void. That, Father, we will see great things as Your Word is proclaimed. We will see people's hearts and minds changed as Your Word is spoken aloud. Father, we thank You. Give us the freedom from the condemnation. Help us to not only have forgiveness, but to have that forgetfulness for the times that we've messed up. Help us to lay it in Your hands, to confess it to You and allow You to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, as Your Word says. For Lord, we cannot change the things we did yesterday. We can only change what we do from here. So Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that You would enable us to do that. Give us the faith to believe and the hearts of courage to follow hard after you, that you might receive all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Next week's Mother's Day, folks.